Hello, Matthew. Oh, hello. Um, we're back. It, uh, it, how long has it been since our last episode? Well, since we are nigh-professional podcasters, I assume that it's only been like maybe a couple of weeks since the last time we recorded. Oh, that makes sense. I'll go based on that assumption. Um, I don't recall what book we were reading, though. <laughs> so I've done some research on this topic. Yeah. And uh, we're reading A Lost Lady by Willa Cather. Oh. Now, actually, this brings me to, um, to our first segment where we correct things we said in our uh, initial episode. That would imply remembering what we said in order to correct things. Have you recently listened to our past episodes? No, of course not. But I, this has been bugging me so uh, enough that I still remember it. Um, I had talked about thinking that, um, that I had read Willa Cather, but it was really somebody else, but I couldn't figure out who that was or what story it was. Since then, I discovered that I was thinking of Eudora Welty who is, mm. I think, pretty much the same as Willa Cather, maybe a pseudonym, and the story, Why I Work at the P.O. Ah, I think Eudora Welty is Willa Cather backwards. Right. Or standing on your head, or possibly in a mirror. Does that mean I should also rearrange the letters in Why I Work at the P.O. to find out what the story is really about? Well, I mean, it's not even a very good anagram, because they just put the letters P.O. <laughs> It's like, it's like, you know, you, you know, it's an anagram of happy birthday to me, RQ. <laughs> it's, it's like they're not even trying. Right, right. Well, that's why I no longer read Eudora, quote unquote, Eudora Welty stories. Mm-hmm. And uh, why uh, I and, and this podcast, of course, have moved on to uh, Will Cather. Okay. Now, now that you have reminded me what book we were reading, where'd it go? Um, what, you want to remind me what we've read so far? Well, we have possibly? gotten pretty far into the story, as you might recall. Almost all the way through the first paragraph. Hmm. Um, we're still in the first paragraph. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, th- then I, I can't have forgotten much. So I know I only forgot three or four sentences. If that. Right. Um, I was going to tell you... Oh, there we go. Um, so, uh, there was this house near the railroad, mm-hmm. and, um, and apparently it was, um, you know, uh, status-giving to say that you were with the railroad or something. Yes. And the, do we know where the railroad was? Yes, it wasn't somewhere... It wasn't Vermont, I'm pretty confident of that. Um, it was, um, it at least went from, uh, well, there was a house along it that was known from Omaha to Denver, which I think implies that the railroad might have gone from Omaha to Denver. Um, but I suppose that's not uh, explicitly. Um, oh, did we have a long conversation about how every railroad is the Burlington yes, Railroad? Yes, right, yeah. Okay, that sounds familiar. Yeah. It's starting to come back to me. Right. Well, and the reason I bring up it's not being um, from Vermont is that you were confident that it was, but then we discovered that it wasn't. Omaha to Denver, so that's Nebraska to Colorado. I mean, I suppose if you want to go for, like, the most popular states, Mm -hmm. sure, the big Omaha and Denver, yeah, I mean, I guess you could go that way. All right. 
Um, anything else I should remind myself of? Um, just that there, you know, we expect a high degree of sophistication in this conversation. Okay. Uh, oh, I did get some listener feedback that maybe uh, this would be a good time to discuss. We have a listener? Uh, we have at least a listener, yes. Hmm. And um, this listener was annoyed that we uh, didn't talk enough about the content of the book, of the story. Hmm. Um, well, let's see. I was just reading before we began, like literally minutes before this podcast began, mm-hmm. an article about the, uh, the semicolon. Yeah. And its origins and uh, early uses and what it was used for. And a- as I scan this first paragraph, I do not see a single semicolon. Wow. Well, I don't so, think you're very good at scanning or you're looking at a different first paragraph than I am. It, is there a semicolon in here? Mm, I think it would be the sentence that we're up to. Ooh, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it it was hidden at the end of a line where, where you tend to see uh, final punctuations sure. and not interim punctuations. Well, should we... Do you want to go ahead and continue to make your um, point about the semicolon or should we read the sentence first? Well, I think it's since... We're, we need to talk more about the content. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there is a semicolon in there. Well, I mean, I, I, re- I certainly recall discussing the content of the book mm-hmm. in terms of the words. Yeah. <laughs> and, but apparently if that's not enough, we need to discuss more content. <laughs> the only place I can see to go, unless... And I'm not saying this is impossible. Right. We discuss the negative space. Well, right. The there words. is. I I agree with you that punctuation is probably the next place to go. But by no means do I think that's the end of the list. I mean, there's there's font, there's kerning, there's letting. I mean, um, we could probably go on from there. But in terms of what Willa Cather actually put on the paper. Right. Right. Yeah. I think you were gonna. So. Um. Oh, well, yeah, you know, we're, we're going to do content, so let's just dive in. Dive right in. Where, where, where are we? I think we're um, at the beginning of the sentence, there were the directors. There were, meaning that there are no longer the directors. Well, I think this will all took place 30, this, this, all, this whole paragraph, you might recall, refers to 30 or 40 years ago. So whether or not there are directors and so on now... But there's more than one. There was, there was a semicolon in the last sentence. Oh, my gosh. I think we got to back up. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we could read the whole story up to where we need to get if we need... I mean, we haven't gone so far that that would be a huge <laughs> time sink. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, it's my fault that I don't really remember what happened to the first two to three sentences... But, I mean, you, you think it'll take too much time out of the other important content that we're going to provide? Well, I'm curious what made you forget. Has something significant happened in your life in the last, I would guess, about a week or two that would cause you to forget our riveting discussion from last time? I believe I had two or three birthdays. <laughs> <laughs> in the last week or two. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. You know, there's... Um, Time has come and gone. I've read several entire novels. Sure. I've, you know, we uh, we discussed an entirely different book yesterday mm. that had nothing to do with this. Well, I, th- I think this is uh, an important 
uh, a good place to inform our listener of listeners, that is, of course, of an important fact, which is that this is the first ever live in-person recording of this podcast. I've been in person where I was every time. Right, but we have not been live in each other's uh, presence uh, in the same room for the previous... I'm not sure. We, we were both in the United States of America. As and far all, as you know. As all... Uh, as, as all were, were you um, streaming from another country? Might have been. Hmm. I guess this is the only time I have evidence that That's we're right. in the same country. Yeah. Based on the fact that I can see you. Mm-hmm. In a, uh, we're in a small, all-white room with no mirrors or ways to see out. It's like we're in a dark room, except it's not really dark. Well, that's because we care about our listeners and the production values of this podcast. Um, and we happen to be in the same place at the same time. Yeah. All right. Well, so, since this is a very special episode, I think it's worth reading back from the beginning. It could be like a best of. That's right. Okay. <clears throat> a lady lot. No, I did that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Duo Mulligan. <laughs> a Lost Lady by Willa Cather. Part one, chapter one. 30 or 40 years ago, in one of those gray towns along the Burlington Railroad, which are so much grayer today than they were then, there was a house well-known from Omaha to Denver for its hospitality and for a certain charm of atmosphere. Well-known, that is to say, to the railroad aristocracy of the time, of that time. Men who had to do with the railroad itself or with one of the, quote, land companies, which were its byproducts. In those days, it was enough to say of a man that he was connected with the Burlington. Okay, so that's what we read so far, that's right? That's right. So I stopped at the right place? Yeah, well, I think you should just launch right into the new sentence, though, uh, since we're in the flow. Okay, then we'll look at both semicolons at the, right, at the same time. Right. <laughs> All right. We compare and contrast. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> there were the directors, the general managers, vice presidents, superintendents, whose names we all knew. And their younger brothers or nephews were auditors, freight agents, departmental assistants. Now, before we get too explicit, it would be a good exercise for our listeners to imagine where they think the semicolons were in those last two sentences? No. In um, sentences two and four. She only used semicolons in even numbers. Right, sentences. right. I mean, as far as we know. Uh, I, I, I'm extrapolating based on current knowledge. I mean, that's how, um, you know, all good inductive reasoning works. I well, take right. the facts at hand and yeah, I Yeah, but I, I think um, she's uh, going to use them in sentences uh, that are, you know, powers of two. Hmm. I think, I think uh, we won't know until sentence six who's correct. Mm, yeah, if it's six, eight, who knows. Okay, so... What I'm seeing here mm -hmm. is a clear attack on nepotism. Uh, I don't think it's an attack yet. Maybe it's it a, will be. It's a backhanded slight of, look, we got these important people doing important things. Mm -hmm. Directors, general managers, vice presidents, superintendents. Mm -hmm. And we knew them. Yeah. Mr. And, Smith. Yeah. They, they, they're the aristocracy. Sure. 
And then what do we know about aristocracies? It's bloodborne pathogens, right? <laughs> I mean, it depends how you feel about them. I mean, the like you, you catch it from your parents, <laughs> as I understand it. It's like an ability to control the force. Um, yes, or possibly no. <laughs> I, I, I mean, outside of the one family, was it genetic in everyone else? I mean, was Obi-Wan Kenobi a son of a... Obi two Kenobi, yes. Yeah, well, no, Obi zero Kenobi. No, no, it, it was it was an accident with a time machine. That's why he didn't have any children. Um, oh, so I'm just saying. So you you got the important people, and then they had younger brothers or nephews mm-hmm. who were littler, smaller roles. Right. You know, and the assumption is that the uh, their older relatives got them those jobs. Absolutely. If you're an aristocrat, you can give it to your relatives. And, I mean, doesn't that imply to you, um, looking down at, like, how did the... Who had the lesser jobs? The younger relatives. Right. No, I think um, you're bringing your own frame to this. This is is your opinion that nepotism is a bad thing. Um, It's really a a Matthew-centric view of the world. You're not drawing from what the author... The author has been neutral so far, just stated a fact. Maybe the author thinks it's great that those important aristocrats are bringing their uh, relatives into the business, teaching them the business from the ground up, um, uh, before, you know, so that when they're ready to become uh, superintendents, um, you know, they'll be ready for the big time. Mm, I think the... Uh, um the negative sentiment is uh, clearly implicit. Well, um, well, maybe we'll see if that becomes clear as we move along. But I'm, I'd like to, to get back to the semicolon in a sentence because I'm not sure that I, uh, how I feel about its usage here. Okay. So, well, so let's go back. The first semicolon was in the second sentence. Mm-hmm. Well known, that is to say, to the railroad aristocracy of that time, semicolon... semicolon. Men who had to do with the railroad itself, so that that I guess is fine. I mean, it's a little. Uh, it could be. It could have been a dash. I mean, it's. It, I mean, nowadays the semicolon is generally used between two complete. Well, what could be two complete sentences, right? right? I mean, there are there are other uses, but the one we're using here is between two complete sentences. Or two... Two independent clauses. That, that could stand as complete sentences. And mm-hmm. here, the second one, men who had to do with the railroad itself or with one of the land companies, which were its byproducts. I mean, neither side of that semicolon is is really technically an independent clause. No. But, you know, close enough. Yeah, it's, I, mean, I, I wouldn't complain if I hadn't just read about semicolons like literally minutes ago. But the, now let's move on to the number four we just read. Mm-hmm. There were the directors, general managers, vice presidents, semi-superintendents, whose names we all knew, semicolon, mm-hmm. and their younger brothers or nephews who were auditors. Okay, so that's really a different use of the semicolon. That is the semicolon used to distinguish, like as a comma, to separate lists. Right, but the... The technical, uh, the way it's used in that context, in my understanding, mm-hmm. 
is that when you have a list of items that would say normally be separated by commas, mm -hmm. but one of the items in the list itself has commas inside it, you then use semicolons to separate the items in the list rather than commas. Exactly. And, but if you're going to suggest that that's the context the semicolon is occurring here, then you would expect a bunch of semicolons rather than just the one after um, whose names we all know. I think that it's more like the, you know, the independent clause rule because the everything before the semicolon here stands on its own as an independent clause, or, you know, it could be a sentence. And then it's like, there's this related ideas. In fact, um, if, if it didn't have the word and there, I'd be perfectly happy. Whose names we all knew, semicolon. Their younger brothers or nephews were auditors, freight agents, or uh, departmental assistants. Right. Um, now, I mean, I don't, so as I understand it, many of the grammar rules and punctuation rules we use today were in fact made up by Strunk and White. Right. So so when I say technically, I'm like, you know, the rules as I learned them in mm -hmm. school and other places where I learned formal rules. Now, um, like, you know, how do we feel about it in general? I don't know. It's still not obvious to me that the, that the semicolon is really a good usage there. Well, I feel like it's kind of half the separating two dependent clause, independent clauses and half... Um, lists with com commas in them. So maybe, you know, two quarter commas mm. add up to a semicolon. Right, <laughs> semicolon, yeah. Two quarter colons? Yeah, two quarter colons. Yeah. It's kind of, yeah, it's, I mean, I'll, I'll give it to it as, you know, someone who was writing before they could reference elements of style might have a, uh, you know, a general understanding that in the, the excerpt I read for the semicolon book, the original the inventor of the semicolon not only used it for a pause more than a comma but less than a colon, which is where it came from, mm -hmm. but also used it to replace letters UE in the word quay. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> Just in the word quay? Um, or any instance of UE? Like, that's a bunch of Huey. No, just in the word quay, which meant and. So, like, I don't... I've seen this in places where, like, an ampersand, it's like and is replaced by an ampersand and a colon or an ampersand and some other mm -hmm. thing. But Latin words that had and in it, quay, like... Uh, Nunque, meaning, you know, and not, would be written N-U-N-Q, semicolon. Oh, I see. So you just write Q semicolon instead of quay. Ah. <laughs> and to be clear, quay is spelled Q-U-E. Yes. So you're, it's really a huge savings is what you're saying. Well, it saves you all those U-E's. Right. Like in the phrase U-E mama, <laughs> you would only have to say... Semicolon mama. Exactly. Right. Which is longer to say, but <laughs> shorter to type on your uh, manual 1400s keyboard. Right. <laughs> so some people are like anti-semicolon. You know, they would prefer that you, if you're writing something, that you um, you read... Read it and, and remove all the semicolons, or, you know, 90% of them. Uh, do you have a, an opinion about uh, 
how often it's appropriate to have a semicolon? I think a sentence either sounds good or doesn't sound good. And if it sounds good, punctuate it appropriately. And if a semicolon's the best choice there, then go for it. Uh, you know, you, a lot of sentences with semicolons could be shorter. A lot of sentences, uh, it works just fine. I am, uh, um, I am punctuation neutral. I don't, <laughs> I don't like or not like any given punctuation. I will not like that sentence, and I might not like it because you made it too long, mm -hmm. and uh, it's got semicolons in it, and that, you know, is a result of it being too long, but then I don't like it because it's too long. Right. It's not that I don't like it because it's got semicolons right. in it. Mm. It's, it, when I'm hearing you read a sentence, I will like it or not. Mm. Uh, I don't know what the punctuation is based on just your reading. But you would hear me, if I read the sentence, you would hear me pause a little bit longer between whose names we all knew and their younger brothers than I would if there were just a, a comma or... Well, and that's where I am pro-semicolon, I guess. If you had to put me on one side or the other, you know, if you need to pin me down, you know, don't let me dodge the question, you know, everyone raise your so hand. Do you support Dingle Norwood? Um, you mean, do you support... Dingle Norwood. <laughs> See, you laugh at that, but I was using an M-dash in my head. Oh, my gosh. Not an M-dash? An N-dash is like for, it's like a hyphen. Who do you think I am? <laughs> a barbarian? <laughs> so, I mean, and to that extent, so the rules are the rules. You use a semicolon here, you use a semicolon there. But, and I'm all for that, I guess, but to uh, give um, Willa Cather credit, really, if you're going to read it aloud, a semicolon should tell you, leave a longer pause. Mm -hmm. And what we want here is a longer pause. So if we want a long, longer pause, let the record show that my co-host is nodding. Oh, right, yeah. A, a, as if the... Uh, um, microphone would pick up the nod. It's a very sensitive microphone. You know, I, get, I, I know this from my, uh, um, my previous life as a lawyer, that you, know, the, you get a lot of people on the stand nodding or going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> for the record, my co-host is making a Muppet face. <laughs> I'm making a Muppet face, but also going, mm-hmm, <laughs> which is, you know, Grunt for I don't know, but the uh, court reporter will give me a look, and then I'll look at it and I'll say, I know what that look is. Like, please use words for the record. You know, don't, you know. When in court, you should not uh, have your inflection be relevant to your answer because uh, that's I'm not... guilty? <laughs> like, yeah, right, I'm guilty. <laughs> That's not going to uh, fly. Mm. So you, you, you don't think uh, Willa Cather is being um, uh, negative toward um, the, uh, um, the implied nepotism of the younger siblings getting the lost their jobs? Well, I mean, I think it's appropriate for the younger siblings, if they're going to get jobs through nepotism, of course they should get lesser jobs. They should. They would have to grow into the uh, you know the fancier jobs, 
And I don't think she's yet expressed an opinion one way or the other about the fact of the nepotism. Mm. I mean, I guess we could, I don't know, read on and see if, uh, if there's um, a more normative kind of expression. Oh, is that how it's going to be? Read on. <laughs> no, suddenly, you know, we're not... Uh, suddenly one sentence isn't enough. Uh, we, we did three whole sentences in our first two podcasts. <laughs> That's an average of one and a half. I don't know, one sentence per <laughs> podcast. Is it? We're 50% beyond that. Would you like to read uh, sentence five? I would. We'll, we'll put bets on whether or not there's a semicolon. Okay. Um, everyone connected with the road, even the large cattle, and grain shippers had annual passes. They and their families rode about over the line a great deal. Okay. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I know we're supposed to be in with the content, and only then move on to the uh, punctuation. <laughs> but, I mean, can we get Victor Borga in here? <laughs> because this is... Um... I, hope, I hope listeners understood that there was a semicolon in that sentence. <laughs> Not only was there a semicolon in that sentence, but there was an M-dash. There was quotation marks... There was a capital letter for emphasis. Oh my gosh! I mean, I hope so you guys much. There was a hyphen. That, that yes, it, there was an M dash and an N dash. There, it was. Um, I hope you guys are reading along at home because I cannot pause. You have to like count to the milliseconds to get the pauses right on this. Well, now in my uh, in my other job. The one that I get money for. Mm-hmm. Um, I we do some you know work preparing things for publication, and the uh, the rule that we use is that around an M dash, uh, no spaces. That's just wrong. We're here. Uh, this this is printed with spaces around the M dash. I gotta say, I don't well, like it. This is because your uh, occupation is wrong. <laughs> Because, of course, you put spaces around an M-dash. I mean, wh- who even are you? <laughs> I, I don't know the rationale to not do it other than save space, which is, a, I mean, clarity should always trump um, saving space. I think, uh, I mean, maybe I'm just habituated to it, but I think it looks better. Uh, why do I need... Why do I need these spaces? The M dash is already longer than the N dash. It's perfectly clear what's going on. Um, well, because then there's no space between the words. I mean, there's always a space between the words. I mean, you can have a space, you know, after the comma or after the period. You know, uh, apparently the 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 world is saying one space after a period now. Yeah. I mean. Whatever, you know, if you're going to change the rule, you're going to change the rule, but you're going to have space. I mean, what other punctuation other than Tini Lelendash, which is like part of the same word, mm-hmm. would you not have a space between words? Mm. I'll have to think about that. Okay. So let's get right into the heart of the punctuation. <laughs> Ignoring for now the secondary point of the substance of the the debt. 
The sentence begins, capital letter, everyone, quote, connected, end quote, with the capital R road, comma, even the large cattle. Space. Space. M M dash space. space. And grain and dash shippers, comma, had annual passes. Semicolon. They and their families rode about over the line a great deal, period. Period. You know, there's a real distinct change in the rhythm from the part of the sentence before the semicolon Mm -hmm. and uh, the second part of the sentence. The second part of the sentence, after the semicolon, Mm. runs straight through, no punctuation until the period. And that... That has a much faster rhythm than, yeah. than the beginning. I mean, if I could, you know, just take the words out. It's sure. like, it's like, bop, 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 <laughs> I felt the, uh, I feel like the first part, I don't know if I would go bop, 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 It's more of like a ba, 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 you know, or maybe mm-hmm. not even that regular, but it's like, it's, it's uh, fits and starts. Um... Yeah. Hmm. So, can I ask you a question? I guess. Was there a joke in that sentence? <laughs> a joke? Oh, uh, you mean even the large cattle? Even the large cattle. Was that intended as humor? <laughs> That's an excellent question. A- am I laughing now? Um, I mean, it's pretty hilarious, potentially. Right, because, so, in case you didn't spot it, dear listeners, the potential humor would be that Everyone um, is the uh, the subject here, and then even the large cattle would would imply that large cattle are part of everyone. Um, everything else implied is seems to be human. Well, what would what would the alternate interpretation be? Where the large cattle is excluded from everyone? Well, that they're just stuff. They're not people well, and don't need passes. Well. Everyone, even the large cattle, had annual passes. Yeah. Well, is there a way to interpret that that doesn't imply that the large cattle had passes? Oh, no, no. It's clearly saying both that the large cattle have passes and that the large cattle, uh, for the purposes of this sentence, uh, are part of everyone. What is the rationale for the M-dash? Everyone connected with the road, even the cattle, dash, and grain shippers, had annual passes. Are there, is this like a, a slight at grain shippers who are like ranked as an afterthought below even the large cattle? I think it would make more sense if there were also an M-dash before even the large castle, or if even the large castle were set off in parentheses rather than mm-hmm. that random M-dash at the end. And then it would be clear that even the large cattle is being set off by itself. And yeah. then we're back to grain shippers, who is, is, you know, what you would expect to be someone connected with the railroad. Right. And maybe a second joke, grain shippers are the ones set off by the, uh, the dash. Uh, so it's like everyone connected with the railroad, even the large cattle, and grain shippers. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> bottom of the barrel. Wow. And even the large cattle. Mm. Maybe even with the mid-sized cattle. Yeah. Hmm. And did the large cattle's families have an annual pass when they rode off? Uh, rode about the line a great deal? Is it, I mean, is it a family? They discount? and their... So the question is, 
they and their families, what's what's the antecedent there? Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to say I don't think that the cattle are included there. Well, they usually refers to the most recent noun, which would be the annual passes. So the annual passes in their families <laughs> were over the line a great deal. I think uh, it's either everyone or grain shippers. I guess I think it's everyone, poo, but not including the cattle. So, putting, okay. I don't even know what line we're riding over, frankly. Um, they, they and their families rode about over the line a great deal. Uh, uh, my interpretation was over the railroad. Uh, oh, oh, they're like riding on the railroad. Right. I'm oh, right. I see, I see. Okay. So, now everyone connected with the road, the capital R. Is that Cormac McCarthy's The Road? Um, it seems unlikely, as I believe that uh, Will Cather was writing before Cormac McCarthy. Um, but, you know, maybe it's from the same, um, uh, what's the a, union, the same cultural archetype. Right, or it could be an Obi-Wan Kenobi thing. Right. In what way? Uh, time travel, he's named after oh, his yeah. son. Oh, right, yeah, right, right, right. Or something. Yeah. Um, the, I assume Capital R Road is what we're calling the railroad. Right. I would have probably uh, used um, apostrophe lowercase road if, if it were me. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, did, did we do that then? Did we uh, shorten things, you know, randomly and then put an apostrophe to just say, you know, the road? Like, um, I'm going down to the, you know, um, Lavard, Avard. <laughs> Short for Boulevard. And we'll just put the apostrophe Avard. When I'm going out on the re. Yeah, apostrophe yeah. E. Yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, maybe not, maybe not. Um, okay, so we haven't even discussed how this completely throws our semicolon pattern. Like now, sentences two, four, and five have. Right, no, that was the first thing I thought of, yeah. Well, actually, the first thing I thought of, I think, was. Though you said there weren't any semicolons, mm. in fact, we've seen that the majority of the sentences that we've covered have semicolons. Yeah. And then I was like, then, then I, I realized that it threw both of our patterns into the toilet. Mm. And, you know, not to look ahead, but there's another semicolon. <laughs> um, and I think there's only one more sentence if you include both sides of the semicolon as <laughs> the same sentence, which I think you have to do. Sure, yeah. I mean, would you like to finish up the uh, paragraph so we can discuss all the semicolons. And, and the paragraph as a whole. And the paragraph I as would, a whole. I thank in, you. In once, okay. Uh, there were then two distinct social strata in the prairie states. The homesteaders and hand workers who were there to make a living, and the bankers and gentlemen ranchers who came from the Atlantic seaboard to invest money and to develop our great west, as they used to tell us. Okay, so... I feel like, you know, you know how when you're writing an essay in college and you have to prove a point? So oh, wait, wait, is this, is this going to involve the word hence? Yeah, hence or there. You're like, you write all your facts and then you write therefore or hence or ergo, something along those lines. And then you write the thing that you're trying to prove. And because it's an undergrad essay, you, you, you get away with it. Right. I, even though the proper response is, how the heck did the stuff before therefore prove the therefore? Mm-hmm. And so you're focusing on the word then in this Yeah, sentence. they were then... 
<laughs> so, I this mean, sentence I, has nothing. I feel like, and I'm agreeing with you here. The, this sentence really has maybe nothing to do with the previous sentences in this paragraph. Well, so uh, I mean, to to be fair, and I don't know if this actually fixes anything. Then could just be a time, right? And not a, but if it is a time, it still doesn't really relate to. I mean. The whole paragraph was about, um, let me tell you about the railroad. The, you know, there were the, the fancy schmancies who were connected with the railroad, and then there was everybody else who was not connected with the railroad. And the railroad people were the aristocracy, and they rode all over with their cows and their, uh, their steer, and they had annual passes, and the other people didn't, and they all looked up to them. That's, I mean, that's what I got. Mm-hmm. Now we're the, I mean the two social strata should be the based on what I know mm-hmm. the railroad folk on top and mm-hmm. everyone else down below right but that's not what I see here. I see the homesteaders and hand workers who so that they're making a living and they're I guess the working class people and then the bankers and gentlemen ranchers who come from the Atlantic seaboard, so they're the rich people. And let me ask you a question, Matthew. How do you think they got there from the Atlantic Um, seaboard? uh, I guess on their airplane. (laughs) I mean, I don't know how else they would get there, Um, unless you're implying the very same railroad. I was implying the very same, or as we in the know would call it, road. Well, we in the know call it the line. I see. <laughs> Not the road. But, so, here's my question. Mm-hmm. The bankers and the gentlemen ranchers are not the aristocracy. No. The homesteaders and hand workers are not the aristocracy. Well, maybe... Well, let me, let me stop you, though. The bankers <laughs> and gentlemen ranchers... Are they possibly connected to one of the land companies, which were one of the byproducts of the uh, railroad itself? Well, the bankers might be, but, I mean, the, not the gentlemen ranchers. Mm. They wouldn't be, I mean, the gentlemen ranchers are like, I'm rich and I'm, you know, I have a farm. Yeah, but they're I'm, coming to invest money and to develop our great west. So they could invest in the land companies. I'm just, uh, this last paragraph has depressed me. This last sentence has depressed me. Why has it depressed you? Because I felt like we were building. Mm -hmm. I was learning about the aristocracy, and I liked how the, you know, you think of aristocracy as the upper class, as the rich. Mm -hmm. But then we expanded it by talking about the nephews and younger brothers, and I thought... Even better, the, the metaphor got better because now it's not just the aristocracy is the rich, but the aristocracy is rich and related to each other. Mm-hmm. Just like this. So you have deepened the metaphor. So, but now it's gone. Now we're talking about four groups of people who are totally unrelated or not obviously related to the people above. And this has thrown me into an emotional turmoil. Well, so I generally agree with you. I feel like this last sentence has apparently come out of nowhere. I don't know what to do with it. But I do want to bring us back to the very first sentence, which is also 
I feel like it's kind of fallen by the wayside. Like it seemed I like this paragraph, yeah. this paragraph was going to be about this uh, this this house, which was uh, hospitable and had charm. It was hospitable and charming, in fact. And then we veered off to the the railroad aristocracy. But I guess I kind of assumed we'd come back to the house, you know. But instead, we went off to this two distinct strata that. Uh, we're not told, at least, how it relates to the uh, aristocracy no. at all. Hold on. 30 or 40 years ago, in one of those gray towns along the Burlington Railroad, which are so much grayer today than they were then, there was a house well-known from Omaha to Denver for its hospitality and for a certain kind of atmosphere. You're right. Okay, so it's just talking about the house. It's not talking about the people. It's not talking about the line. It's not talking about the road. Right. The second sentence transitions us to talking about the people. Right, so then sentences two, three, four, and five were about the people. And then sentence six were off to a, a social distinction that was heretofore unseen. Right. Semicolon, I'm sad. Right. <laughs> and we don't know how this, this uh, information we're being given about the social strata relates either to the uh, hospitable house, or to the uh, the railroad people who uh, are the ones who think of it, who know it to be so hospitable and charming. Hmm. Wow. Oh, I um, uh, I I am just I'm in a tizzy. I'm, <laughs> you know, and it's not just from this. I believe thunder. We're either we're hearing thunder, or people are jumping around upstairs. I don't know what. I think it's thunder going it's, on. It. It's not just a dramatic point in the story. Um, it could also be that, but you know, it's uh, um, it, it could be thunderstorms out of from Omaha to Denver, even though we are not between Omaha and Denver. But it could have started there. I mean, storms generally start west of here, which could be. I feel Omaha. like you're giving our listeners too much information about our personal lives. Um. The fact that we are east of Omaha, right? Okay, I. Uh, We're also in a house with an upstairs. Hmm. Yeah. All right. All right. I'll, I'll back off. I'll, <laughs> I'll back off. I'll, you know, on on uh, on. Uh, maybe we're so far. East that we're around on the world on the other side in that, Nevada. That's that's uh, a distinct possibility. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything's east if you go far enough. So I feel like we shouldn't read any further. I feel like we should let our uh, sort of discomfort sit with us until uh, the next well, episode. Yeah, I'm not calling it one way or the other. I mean, it, you, we'll see how we feel as we uh, go on. Are, are we? Are we? Is it time to wrap up? Is our um, have we reached our uh, hard limit on time? Well, we don't have a hard limit on time. That would imply some more sort of organization and planning and stuff. Well, uh, if we had other segments that we could remember, um, this would be a good time to go to them, I think. Um, well, I believe our last episode had a segment of my child cooking jalapeno poppers. Oh, right. And uh, do you want to tell us about how they turned out? They were delicious. Mm. They were, um, I mean, they were kind of messy looking, but they tasted better than any jalapeno poppers. Oh, wait. What? Because um, we have some jalapenos. Maybe we should be making jalapeno poppers today. Unfortunately, um, that child who made the poppers is uh, 
about 250 miles away mm. in a uh, science camp where ah. they are not making jalapeno papras. They mm. are going on what he referred to as a herp walk. <laughs> Does that relate to herpetology? My first guess was that it related to a combination of herpetology and a perp walk. <laughs> so that, like, you would arrest the uh, reptile and then you'd have to get pictures for the, you know, newspaper, you know, ginkgo, uh, gecko, not ginkgo's a tree. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you're not going into science game. You couldn't get in. No, get... You know, Gecko wanted for manslaughter charges, and you, he goes on the herp walk, and you take the. Uh, Would he have his like cute little overcoat, you know, covering his face? Absolutely, yeah. And you know, like no pictures, no pictures. But right, I don't. So that child is not available. Mm. Um, we could, you know, try to get her jalapeno popper recipe. Or make up our own. Or semicolon. <laughs> well, semicolon to... or, I think. Yeah, semicolon or we can whip, chop, and flambe. Because commas in the. Am I your blender, baby? Yes. Um, I don't know if you have a blender in this house. <laughs> but if we did, I was thinking of something that had interim commas so that I could appropriately use the semicolon because as any good writer once you choose to use a semicolon that changes the end of your sentence so that makes the semicolon appropriate that's what I think I also think we doubled the amount of book we read today I mean we had gone through three sentences now we've gone through six that's insane I'm a, I'm a little worried that we're rushing that so fast that our, our readers won't be able to keep up with us um, I had a, I had an acquaintance, uh, uh, a good friend of yours as well, ask if she could, you know, start listening to the podcast at like the current episode, which I assume must have been episode two, um, even though she hadn't listened to the previous ones, you know. The correct was, answer is no. You must listen to all of them <laughs> repeatedly, so you can get all of our inside jokes that develop over the course of the ep- sure of the episodes. Um, she was very worried that we would have made so much progress that, you know, she would be lost trying to dip in into the mid-book. Um, I think that, I mean, generally speaking, the first sentence is the most important. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, you'd put it at the end. Right, like you'd never understand what was going on in A Hundred Years of Solitude without having read that first sentence. Right. Or, you know, you get to the end, and then he says, call me Ishmael. You go, oh, that's who Ishmael was. You read this whole damn book wondering who Ishmael was. It was you the whole time. Trick, trick ending. Mm. 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 All right. So, all right. So, so maybe we're done. Okay. Well, thank you all for listening to this uh, episode. I think it might be the third episode. Third. Most importantly, thank us for doing the... I mean, you're just listening. We did all the work. We did do all the work. All right. Well, thank you, Matthew. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Goodbye. <laughs>